Welcome to the Not Just a Pony Ride podcast, presented to you by Hetra University. If you've landed here, you're probably passionate about how horses help people. This podcast is for anyone who helps others experience the benefits of horses or those who have experienced it themselves. If you're in the equine assisted services industry, we're here to help you. If you're here just to learn more, you're in the right place. Welcome to your community of like-minded people where you will hear stories, education, science, and explanations about how what we do is so much more than just a pony ride. And now, from the Hetra campus in Gretna, Nebraska, here's your host, occupational therapist and CTRI, Katie Ott. Welcome back to part two in this awesome series about communication and autism. If you haven't heard the first episode, you will want to go back and listen to that first. Um, because I left a pretty good cliffhanger there on what today's episode will be about. But I have Dr. Darren Olson back. He's a clinical psychologist, and he is here to continue the good advice on how to help participants with autism maximize their experience with our wonderful horses. Enjoy. How do you feel about about building in some of that flexible thinking and bringing some of the illogicalness Um, without going too far, obviously, but can you talk a little bit about how that flexible thinking might play in? You mean like helping the person who wants things to be very logical, very inflexible, sort of helping them get through those difficult times Mm -hmm. Um, or when things aren't quite the way that they'd prefer them? Because things Uh, are not going to go right occasionally, right? So how do we help them um, to get through that? Right. Uh, Yes, you're absolutely right. This, our, our world is not like I said before. It's it's not nearly as logical as as would be nice if it was. Um, <laughs> so when that's happening, um, when there's something unstructured or something has come up that wasn't expected, and now it's like, well, hang on a second. No, I told you we were going to do that first, but actually we can't do that. Um, easier said than done. Um, but seeing if you can sort of reinstate some logic to it. So if if you just so let, let's go more extreme. Like they're having they're like a full on meltdown. Like it was supposed to be this way. You told me it was going to be this way, and it is not this way. I don't like that. Um, so what's the very first tiny thing that you'd like them to do? Is it just standing up, then let's just focus on the stand-up. Let's not focus on on all the other stuff that could be happening. Let's not overwhelm. Let's just focus on the next thing that needs to happen, and it's just standing up. Um, and so seeing if you can get down to the absolute basics. Um, I, I guess I probably should have started with this, too, uh, is some sympathy too like mm-hmm. this if the person was told that that the sequence was going to go this way or it, it really is hard on them to shift their attention or, or shift the way that they're thinking like that is hard that that is that is a difficult thing that's going on so there is definitely a um a level of yeah this is this is hard this is hard so and and sometimes it can it can be okay to mm-hmm. allow a, a few moments a little bit of like of not not introducing anything so it right. can feel like it's important to like 
rub their back or, or give them a hug or even like say it's going to be okay. For some people, that's more. That's more stimulation when they are tapped out and they cannot accept anything else. And when that happens, it's actually better to just sort of take a step back allow their sort of stimulation level to come down a little bit on their own and before introducing anything else. So then like, okay, I see you're a little bit calmer, you know, nice and deep breath. And then you can kind of talk about some little things to help them take in a breath and rub their back, something like that. Okay, let's stand up and help them stand up. And we're just focusing on literally the next step and getting through this, really breaking it down. Um, it kind of goes in contrary a little bit to like the visual schedules and stuff like that. But, um, when, when, when it's sensory or, or it's emotional like that, let's meet them on an emotional level, allow for that to be, and then help them through it. Yeah. I like to think um, about a lot of the emotional regulation. We do some emotional regulation and obviously sensory too, but once we get in kind of that state where you know, we're, we're having a meltdown or we're having this, this big reaction. I feel like it's good to think about those things in return in, in, in terms of like, it's like their brain is having a storm and like, you can't, they just can't focus on anything else because that those neural, literally the neural pathways are just jammed with emotions and sensory overload or whatever it is. And so giving them more directions or more words or more, more at touch or more anything can just clog that up even more. And so kind of waiting for that to pass sometimes you're absolutely right is the best, best thing to do sometimes. Yeah. And we, uh, what I like, again, I like to tell parents, um, we all, we all have our limits. We all will hit Mm -hmm. our max at one point or another, but we simply cannot accept anything else. Like, and I tell parents, think about those times when you are, tapped out and someone comes and puts their arm around you and says like it's okay you want to throw that arm off of you and be like do not touch me get away i need my space right like so sometimes it we're we're talking about the high-end um uh tantrums or, or sensory overload like think about it like that like if you were in those shoes and you had reached your max you're actually not gonna want someone to give you more it's actually mm-hmm. best to go with less. Allow that to sort of pass. I like what you said, like a storm. Mm-hmm. Allow the storm to sort of settle down a little bit. And then let's start moving forward. Um, and once the, the, the storm is sort of coming down, then, like I said, focusing on the next sort of logical steps, a lot of sympathy. We uh, can't say that enough, like to, to sympathize that this is a difficult thing what is a small what is a small piece that can be done to have some kind of success what's a what's a small thing that can can help and sometimes um, I feel like my participants that struggle with that structure um and it's definitely not just those with autism it's you know a lot of my participants but they struggle with that, that structure and that I know what's coming next. And then it's almost kind of like a, almost like control where it's like, okay, but that's the way I want it, or that's the way it was supposed to be or whatever. And so sometimes I will like, this happens all the time. I put trotting at the end of our session as kind of a reward or whatever, you know, we go for a little trot. 
well, there's occasionally times where it's like, you know, you're like, I got one minute left and we don't have time for a trot and we gotta, you know, we gotta go or whatever. And so it's like, then how do you pose that in a way that they still have some control? You're just like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, we don't get to trot today. Um, but you can choose. Do you want to go over the bridge or do you want to, you know, go over the ground poles or whatever, like something that will take less time, but they're still getting some control where they're like, okay, well, yeah, I guess I'll choose this instead or whatever, where it's something more manageable um, you have to think on the fly a little bit harder, but um, still gives them some element of, of choose choosing, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So giving choices, um, giving some power back because uh, we've, in those situations, they their power is gone, right? Sorry, you don't have a choice. This is something that you wanted. And I, as the instructor, have said you can't have it. Like, the power is gone. Um, so to give a little bit of that back to them, 100%. If you can find ways to say, like, this is this uh, a, a, a phrase that can be helpful is not available. So try is not available. And if you could use sort of that language this 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 option is no longer available but these ones are these options are available mm -hmm. um and if you can be consistent with that like that term or if you want to use a different term that can be helpful too. that consistency I but like you're absolutely that. right to turn into something i like that not available because occasionally like i'll get into this then conversation where it's like we don't have time to trot we can choose well, we have time. I have time. I don't have to go to this. Or that. And then you're like, well, but, you know, Smokey needs to get to his next lesson. And then you're having this whole conversation back and forth where you could just be, like you said, very succinct and saying, like, shot's not available. Why? It's just it's not available. So would you like to choose this or this? I feel like that makes it much more um, packaged. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And that, that, again, goes back to that communication. Like, this is the the least number of words that we can use to to communicate. Can't do that. Mm -hmm. um, and that that seems to be a good way to go about it. Of just saying this one's no longer available. You know that sympathy. Sorry, I know that's hard. Like understanding that was that's not that's not nice. Like <laughs> that stinks for that. You're not a, you know like, you can't have it. Here are the things that are available. We can and then just like you said, we can do mm -hmm. this one or this one. Let's give you some power back. Which one of those would you choose? Um, and, you know, you can even, for some, this isn't going to work 100%, and none of it would work 100%. Anything I've said would work 100%, but um, even like doubling the trot time or something next time. Like mm. you're, it's not available today, but next time we're, we're going to do it for extra long. Like to, to say you are going, there is a path for you to get what you want, it just isn't going to happen today, unfortunately. So mm -hmm. another another tool to use. I've used that. And then sometimes I feel like people worry that they're not going to remember. Oh, trust me, they'll remember. <laughs> if, that, if that works <laughs> for them, they will show up next week. Before they even mount, they're going to be like, remember you said double trot time last week. And be like, yep, yep. <laughs> I finally helped remind you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And if um, we've talked about like turning things that are coming from into the ears, into the eyes, write it down, even if it's a sticky note or, you know, just something that doesn't seem like it's going to carry a lot of weight, unofficial, to just literally grab a sticky note, a piece of paper or something and write, okay, double trot time and then write the date. Okay, here it is. I'm going to put it right here and show, visually show. 
I recognize this is hard for you, but this is going to happen. So again, bring that visual aspect into it. Yeah, I like that. Do you want to talk a little, since we talked a little bit about kind of how I use TROT as a motivator, a little bit about how motivation plays into communication? Yeah, so motivation is a, it's powerful. Um, it. The way to think about motivation, this is just cheesy stuff that I that I think about. Um, think about motivation like the difference between Mondays and Fridays. Now, Mondays and Fridays are both work days. We, you, you probably do the same thing on Mondays and Fridays for your job. Like kids go to school on those days. They feel very different. Why do they? Why do Mondays and Fridays, even though they're both work days, feel so different? On Mondays. You've gone from something you like sort of downward into a work week. Like the good thing, the weekend is now over and now I have to do the, the work stuff. Doesn't feel as good as Friday when you're going, oh, I have to get through today and now I'm going to get what I want. You know, the good thing, which is the weekend. Um, and that's why Mondays and Fridays feel so different, even though they are really the same kind of thing. Uh, and so that's how we want motivation we want motivation to look like Fridays and not Mondays. Um, so always having the motivator come after the difficult thing. It's a lot more difficult to say like uh, what you said, putting trot last 100%, do it like that rather than like, okay, let's get on. Let's go have, have our nice trot. And then let's do the stuff that's not nearly as fun. That's like a Monday kind of thing. That's not, mm -hmm. that's a lot. It's a lot harder to take the trot away to move into something that's not so good, then, okay, we got to get through this difficult stuff, the stuff that's maybe not as fun for you, but you're going to get that weekend. You're going to get the thing that you want at the end. Um, as far as other motivators, there are lots and lots of little things that, that can be done. Um, there's diff, like, you can think about, um, there, there are food drink type motivators, stuff that like comes through the mouth. There are social motivators. So high fives, good jobs, knuckles, um, calling the parents' attention. Look what they just did. There's, there's, there's an element of like um, stuff that you say or do that can motivate. There's the physical kind of motivator. So actually handing them something. If you have something like, hey, you do this, I'm going to hand this thing to you, like a like a toy or something to look at, some kind of sensory thing. So that can be done a little bit more in the moment of like, um, instead of waiting all the way to the end for the trot, you could, if, if needed, try to put some smaller things in between to go piece by piece. Mm -hmm. And then there's um, also like, privileges which is what what you mentioned with the trot like that's that's a that's an activity that's a privilege that's something to do which is another classification of of motivators and you can use any and all of those all of them have uh their benefits and all of them have like their drawbacks but thinking about motivators both big picture like we do all the things and then we have a that we have the the big thing at the end, as well as the small stuff, the good, the little, the good jobs, the like tiny um, pokes, like uh, 
uh, I used to do therapy in the home and there's a little guy who didn't wasn't keen on doing the stuff that I wanted him to do and if I got him out of his seat then I couldn't get him back in his seat um, but he didn't like high fives but he did like to give a high one and so we would tap our index fingers I'd put out my index finger and he would literally just poke my index finger and then kind of feel like oh that was cool it wasn't a high five because he wasn't into that big praise but just a little poke <laughs> a high one and he thought that was cool so it can be tiny 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 stuff in between the 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 stuff that you're doing in the big motiv motivator at the end and it takes getting getting to know the kid there's no like there's no this is the way that you do it um Go ahead and think outside the box. Like, mm -hmm. if it's a if it's a string that they'd like to just dangle around or something mm -hmm. like that, like okay, you, you get on the horse and you you can hang onto the string, and so they just have the little string with them once they're on. You get through getting on the horse, and then you can have the string, um, and then you have the trot at the end. I had a participant once that I pretty much nonverbal, wasn't super functional in communication. And um, so it was hard. I had seen them for quite a while before I, you know, had tried quite a few things. And I'm like, I just cannot figure out what motivates, you know, this, this child. And so I had the family fill out. I had this motivation survey that I had had from a, um, a, I don't know, some class or something I took. And literally it's just a list of like, everything you could possibly imagine. And I just asked the parents to indicate, like, is there anything that they've showed interest in, you know? And um, I'll never forget that I, um, there was a section and it, it was, ma that magazines was on there and she had indicated magazines. And I was like, she, so she likes to like read magazines, but she goes, nope, she just likes to, she just likes the way the pages feel. And she just likes to flip the pages. And like, I would have oh. ever tried that in a session, you know? And so, Sometimes it's just something as simple as just, you know, asking the families what, if they could choose anything, they had a downtime, a down minute to do something, they could choose something, what would it be? And so then I use that and I, I, I'll be darned if they weren't the most motivated they ever were, is that in between the activities I asked her to do, I let, you know, had, let her have a minute or, you know, whatever with her magazine and, and it was much, much smoother than it was going before, so. Yeah, perfect. And you just hit on like a, a really key statement when talking to parents about that is if you just left them alone, what would they do? That mm -hmm. is a that is a really powerful question to ask families. Like, um, well, you know, if if we just left them alone, they'd probably go do this. And if that wasn't available, this that's giving those are the clues. And you can try and take those little pieces like, well, no. We don't have a video game here, but um, they, you know, maybe they're saying that they like Mario. Like, okay, well, maybe we can incorporate something Mario-like in this, or like make Mario, you know, make a Mario voice or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but those, those little, that question of what would you do if, you know, left to their own devices, what would they do? That really gets at what motivates, what could potentially motivate the person. Mm -hmm. How can we be, I guess the most successful with, you know, getting our participants to do what, what we ultimately want them to do, which is enjoy the horse and learn how to ride. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, one of the most important things coming in to working with a person with autism and other special needs, but um, 
really thinking about the the logic the the logic that is in their brain and if you can tap into that and realize like oh i see why they're having a hard time with this because it was illogical like um for example um they they, they could walk in to the stable and like have a full-on meltdown or get really upset and you're like what on earth why is this happening and then come to find out they're used to like a certain horse being in one of the stables and it's simply not there and that was illogical i walk in i see this horse i see this equipment i walk this many steps and i see the horse i'm going to get on and it's not that way mm-hmm. it's perfectly logical to us it's like whoa what's what's happening come on get off the ground mm-hmm. but in their mind, the logic has been disrupted. And if we can really, really try to see what, where in the process, where in their their logical brain has something been disruptive and sympathize with them above all else and then see if we can kind of correct it, see if we can prevent it next time, you're well on your way to sort of like the, this idea of sort of bringing the world to them as they sort of have to adapt to the world so i love the um, part. that's big for me because I, I do a lot of emotional regulation so for me it's always like validate those feelings even if it doesn't make sense to you mm-hmm. gosh i am so sorry that that happened that really is a bummer you know like being sympathetic mm-hmm. with them instead of just like you said being like what are you doing get off the ground why are you so upset you know like because that can be kind of your knee-jerk reaction but to sympathize, like even like get down there with them and be like, gosh, I know this is hard. Like, what are we going to do? You know, <laughs> just being sympathetic can go a long ways. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking the other thing too, is that we can do as, as professionals is trying to become more aware of the things that might, might be difficult, right? Like um, I have a participant that does not particularly enjoy when they show up to their session and say their horse was, you know, had to have some vet care done or, you know, something and it's a different horse today. They still get to ride. They still get to do all the same activities, but the horse is different. And that is really hard. And so what I do is I just ask the horse team, you know, they always let me know when I have a horse change. And then I, sometimes I'll even take a picture of, you know, oh, we're not riding John today, but we're riding Jim. So I take a picture of Jim and I send it to his mom and I say, just let, you know, let, so-and-so know that we are writing Jim today and here's a picture of him. And, you know, so you can kind of start, um, start to see those things before they happen to help build some of that logic back or, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's a part that I, I didn't get into too much. Another big, big part of all of this is prevention. It's so mm-hmm. much, so much better if you can prevent the behavior than having to deal with it in real time. So if you were able to prevent that disruption of you're not going to ride this horse, you're going to ride a different one. You were able to prevent the shock of that by sending it beforehand. Mm-hmm. That is that that will always be the best intervention to prevent rather than have to deal with it in the moment. So the more you can get ahead of this stuff, the better. You won't always be able to. We, we all would love to be superheroes and be able to see the future, but it's just not the way that's going to go. But if you can prevent try that first then you don't have to deal in the moment with with a difficult behavior or a big time letdown for the participant right and i think that's a big um kind of delineation too that we make a lot is having like our instructors 
their, you know, their job is to, to learn how to ride the horse and enjoy the horse and, and that type of thing in their sessions. And so the more prevention we can do with those, um, any kind of behavior, anything like using those schedules, using all of those tools to help prevent those things so that they can ultimately learn what they come, come to do, um, is key. And then for us on the therapy side of things, it's like, I'm going to prevent everything that's, you know, major and happening, but then I occasionally might, you know, poke the bear a little, or, you know, I might remove something or do something different where I can work therapeutically on those things, but always preventing them first and then adding them if we feel like they can, you know, tolerate it. But that's kind of the delineation that I like to make between in being an instructor and being a therapist is we're not asking instructors to, to work on, you know, these things really specifically or therapeutically, um, but rather, like you said, preventing so that we can learn and be successful, right? Perfect. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. It's, I think sometimes hard, especially when you're in a, a center or a barn that has both, which is good because then if you have somebody that is, um, you feel like ha- as an instructor, you feel like has more needs, um, then you can, you know, have tips in your, in your toolbox, then you have therapists there that can help you. And I would just kind of add as to that is if you're an instructor that's listening, um, and you have a participant that has some higher needs, find a therapist, find somebody in your area that, you know, either specializes in, in working with like a child psychologist, just like Darren or a therapist, occupational therapist, or somebody that can help you um, troubleshoot some of that because it can be hard. How did you get involved in some of the, the, you know, equine side of things, Darren, did you just know somebody or have you consulted with someone at, at a therapeutic writing center? That's a great question. Um, this all, uh, I, I got plugged in with this community when I was like before COVID. Uh, I was a new psychologist at Children's Mercy and just trying to get my name out there as much as I could. And the uh, there was a regional conference, uh, Path mm-hmm. International, a regional conference that was coming up. They reached out to Children's Mercy and said, could anyone come to our regional conference and talk about um, autism? Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, being brand, I, I hadn't been at Children's Mercy very long. So I was like, yes, absolutely. I'm going to take any anything I can take to sort of mm-hmm. establish myself. I'm going to take it. So I went and I did the presentation uh, and they, you know. They loved it. They thought it was really good information, and then and they encouraged me to to see if I could present at the the international one or the national conference, mm-hmm. um, which got delayed multiple times because of COVID. But in between that time, I've I've um, I've continued to sort of stay as as best I can, sort of stay plugged into this community because it's a um, it is an it's a nice. Um, I guess, intersection between like general, like autism type stuff that I do. And like, like I said, I do like a lot of parent training and this is very similar to sort of that parent training, but it's a very specific type of intervention. And so I've Mm -hmm. I've tried to um, try to read up and sort of keep myself connected and keep myself fresh in this area. By no means am I an expert. I've probably said some stuff that like, well, it's not exactly like that. And I, I, uh, no, you did great. You that's did great. okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that—that's sort of the way it—it it came to be. Yeah. Obviously, you do. But I guess you can talk a little bit about it. But 
because you are a guest that we've had on our show that we don't have a ton, but a handful of um, professionals that come on to speak in their area of expertise that aren't necessarily directly in our field. So I guess as someone who is a, you know, I would say like an external professional, do you, you know, believe or see the benefit in the work that we do? Oh, definitely. Definitely. There are, uh, there's a lot of benefits in, I, I can't, because I'm, because I, like you said, external, I have a hard time putting the words onto it. Um, the, the connection that, that you, that you offer with, with an animal. And of course there's the skills, there's the stuff that you can get in other places, like the nuts and bolts. It's, it's taking that nuts and bolts, those skills and putting more a flavor of emotional connection that you can have with an animal um, that is different than the stuff that I do, the stuff that's done in a lot of other places, that combination of skills-based, the, 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 the stuff that you can quantify and the deeper um, connection, I guess. See, again, I don't, I just don't have the words being, you know, no. being an external person. Um, Those but are all that I, I think <laughs> Okay, good, good. Um, that that's the the piece that um, it's that intersection that I feel like doesn't isn't offered in very many places. Like you can have a therapy that's like, okay, let's you know, let's take care of your behaviors, let's teach you things. Like it it's kind of cut and dry. We can we can count these, and then there's like strictly like emotional connection. You know, a parent just sitting down and reading a book with their kid. Like there's that there's that human um sort of piece to it. There aren't many places where those two things come together like um like like this community and mm -hmm. um the therapeutic horseback riding and stuff. So I I I I find that um pretty amazing. And so that, that's why I've, I've I've tried to like keep myself connected to this community because I think it's really cool work that you're doing. Well thank you for being a part of our community, Darren. You're you are just an awesome, awesome guest. I learned a lot today. I know that our, our listeners will too. And having, having more medical professionals in our corner and um, that see the benefits and recognize it. I mean, that's, that's all we could ever ask. And we need more um, of folks like you that believe in what we do to, to keep spreading the word about us. So we appreciate you. Of course. Yes. Again, happy to come on, happy to help. And um, I've really enjoyed this time. All right. Well, before I let you go, um, I end my podcast with a question or a wrap up every time in this season, season three, the question is, if you could give yourself, um, your professional self, any advice, your young professional self advice, looking back on it, what would you give? So I've thought about this. Um, so there's, there's, there's the advice that I'd give. And then there's like, how would I make myself believe that? That's the part I don't know. <laughs> um, so what I honestly, what I would tell my young professional self um, is I, is you have to do the hard things. If I could, if I could tell myself anything, I would try everything to get my young self to believe you got to do the hard stuff. Um, you have to do the things that are going to make you uncomfortable. You have to do the things that other people aren't wanting to do. Um, not because it's just a good thing, not, not like trying to be noble or anything like that, but because even in the difficult things, even if you fail, 
It's the learning that takes place that you don't want to miss. That's like, I almost like feel emotional when I think about talking to my young <laughs> self, but it's the, it, that, that learning, those learning opportunities, um, you don't get them all that often. And so sometimes to back away from a difficult situation or a difficult opportunity and say, no, that's too hard. I can't do that right now. That's a missed learning opportunity. Even if you were to fail at it, that learning will be beneficial down the road. So if, like I said, I don't know how I would ever convince my young self that that was the case. Cause, but if I could, that's what I'd want a young professional me to know. Yes, that's beautifully said. That's something that I am trying to tell myself right now as well. And I think us as therapists and instructors can look at that in a much, you know, smaller way too, in that even if our participants are having a bad day, even if they're having a difficult time, something happens, it's an opportunity for us to learn. If not, if not them, you learned more about that participant that day. And if that's all that you learn, then that's, that's a win. I mean, that's, you can do something better the next time. And that's, I think, a hugely positive note for us to, for us to end on. Absolutely. I completely agree. All right. Well, thank you, Darren. I wish you all the best in 2023. And don't be a stranger. Come to come to Nebraska and visit us at Hetro. We'd love to have you. <laughs> all right. Yeah. If I'm up that way, I might reach out and, and see if we could, you know, see if we could connect. Come observe. Yeah. All right. Well, thank yeah. you and have a good day. All right. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to another episode. Until the next one launches, stay connected to our community by joining the Not Just a Pony Ride Facebook group. There, we share exclusive educational content, answer your questions, and review new and exciting developments for the EAS community. Don't forget, if you have suggestions for future episode topics or a lead on a great guest that you think our audience would enjoy, click on the link in the show notes or visit us at hetrauniversity.org. This podcast is presented by Hetra University an educational arm of the Heartland Equine Therapeutic Writing Academy. Hetra University's mission is to provide high-quality educational offerings to our participants and the EAS community. If you'd like to help us work toward our mission, you can make a donation by visiting us online at hetra.org. Again, I can't thank you all enough for helping Hetra change lives one stride at a time. <laughs>